We're in the book of Luke today. We're in a series called Walk With Me. We started a few weeks ago, and uh, we're gonna continue this week. So we're in Luke chapter six this morning. Um, if you've been with us long enough, you have one of these, who has this journal with them today? Does anyone bring it today? Hey, we handed out 100 journals to our church. It's the book of Luke. On one side is scripture. On one side is a, is a little journal page. Every page is awesome, so it's great. Um, but if you don't have one, we ran out. They are on Amazon. They're like five bucks if you want one. Um, anyway, today we're gonna be in Luke chapter six. And the name of the series is Walk With Me. The idea behind it is we're just kind of zooming in on some of the moments that the disciples had with Jesus, whether he was teaching, talking to them, just doing something. But we're going, okay, when Jesus did this, what would the disciples have heard? What would they have thought? What would they have seen? And how can we glean from their experience? Because I believe that in the same way, the disciples experienced the presence of Jesus, right? Because Jesus was literally physically right next to them. I actually think there's something there for us as we walk very closely with Jesus to live in the presence of Jesus and to learn from Jesus like the disciples learned from Jesus in real time. And so um, with that being said, uh, if you're taking notes, which I would encourage whatever version of taking notes, I do think it's helpful. Um, today is about a, a new world view, a new world view. Um, to be honest, we're not getting very far in the scriptures, so I hope you're good with going slow, because we're still going to be in Luke chapter 6, and we started in Luke 5 like three weeks ago. Um, and so last week, um, who, can anyone remember what we talked about last week? Does anyone remember? We were at dinner with the Pharisees. We weren't. Levi was. Do what? No flex. <laughs> yeah, no flex. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So Jesus has begun kind of, uh, kind of speaking against the religious elite who knew how to, in arrogance, show off their pride and their walk with the Lord. They were kind of living a look how good I'm doing with the Lord kind of people. And it was doing harmful things to the people that genuinely wanted to connect with God. So the way the Pharisees were living out their faith was causing those who wanted God to think God didn't want them back. Pretty crazy. If you missed it, the podcast will be up this week. Um, but this week, um, we are, we're done with dinner. We're done. And we're moving forward. And Jesus is about to preach a sermon. He's about to just give a teaching. And per usual, before I read the passage, I'm gonna give us a little bit of context. So first, who is Jesus talking to and what we're about to read? Jesus is talking to his disciples. Um, so just before this, he just called some disciples. And potentially it's more than just the 12 listening. In my head, there could be 12 disciples or it could be 100. I'm honestly not sure because the way Luke talks about it. Um, but he's talking to his disciples. So just picture Jesus on a level surface, I think is what the scriptures say. So he's standing on a really flat surface. That's super important, all right? Just remember, it's not uneven, it's level. And he's talking to his disciples, okay? Now, while the disciples are listening, Luke says there's a great multitude of people that are also present. Not disciples, just people listening. And, and he describes this. You can read verses 17 through 19 to figure out what types of people those are. But they've, they've come here because they either wanna be healed of a disease, because they're hearing that Jesus is like just healing people, just boom, and they, they get healed. So they're coming to get that. Maybe they have a demon. They want it, the demon to be cast out. I know it's unfamiliar here, but that was a thing here. Um, maybe they are not happy with Jesus and just want to hear what he's going to say next to really tick them off. I, I don't know, but there's a ton of people. Multitude, when he says there's a multitude, that means like thousands, which is, seems so insane to me that like thousands of people are walking from anywhere from 20 miles to 100 miles to go and hear Jesus in this moment. Thousands of people are listening, but Jesus is only talking to his disciples. So this is kind of strange. Jesus is talking to a handful of people while 
a, a ton, a several of people is what I was about to say. A several of people are listening. And so I don't know if you grew up in a church that did this, but at one point I went to a church called First Baptist and we would have children's church in the middle of adult church. And so maybe after the, maybe after the singing, um, a children's pastor would come up and say, okay, all the kids come up to the front and all the kids would run up, including me. Hoping that I'm getting some kind of prize or something probably. Um, and the children's pastor would teach to us but the children's pastor had a mic on, right? So it was obvious because we're within four feet of the, the teacher, we're like right here, but the mic is on and a thousand people behind us can hear. And so it's kind of obvious, the teacher's talking to the kids, but very aware of the adults and communicating in a way where the adults can also hear and engage. Does that make sense? Um, so Jesus isn't a children's pastor, but it's a similar type of thing happening here. I'm gonna talk to you while being very aware of the demographic that is around me. And this demographic is the hurting, the people in need, the poor, the downtrodden, the outsider. I mean, if you just look at the first six chapters of Luke, look at the type of people Jesus literally engages with, the people he has conversations with. It's always the outsider. It's always the downtrodden. It's always the broken. It's always the down on their luck. So that's the type of people that showed up, right? So just last week at dinner, he was with Levi, a bunch of tax collectors and sinners. So who do we think was there? That's important because the words Jesus is about to say is gonna really bless those types of people listening to Jesus. Are we here? Does this make sense? Okay, are we still enjoying the nerding out stuff? Because it's about to happen again, big time. So here we go. All right, let's take a drink of water. Luke 6, we're gonna read verses 20 through 22. And if someone, would someone wanna read that out loud for our church? Just someone go for it, 20 through 22. Oh, read verse 23. I don't know why I said 22. I was like, why'd you stop reading, Tabitha? <laughs> You're right, messing this up. It was my fault. <laughs> yeah, it did. <laughs> Thanks, Tabitha. Um, yeah, so let's dig into this passage, shall we? Okay, um, let's start. I'm gonna look at my notes a lot. I did a lot of study and I don't wanna miss anything. And I'm really excited about this. So I don't wanna mess it up. So let's start with the word blessed. All right, so Jesus seems um, real deliberate about using this word blessed. Blessed are you if, blessed are you if, right? And so listeners heard this word and this way of teaching, this like style of teaching, blessed are you, blessed are you. Um, Jesus, this was not, he was not the first person to say this. This wasn't a groundbreaking way of speaking. Um, blessed are you's were actually relatively common in rabbinical tradition. And this started in the Jewish scriptures, um, an example of this is in Psalm 1, verse 1. How blessed is the person who doesn't walk in the counsel of the wicked, but is immersed in Scripture. So someone is blessed when they seek the Word of God with all their heart. And this way of talking became normal. And what's in that word blessed? What does that mean? And it's actually pretty simple. You might even be able to guess it. It's a happy condition for whoever God has given special favor. When someone says, blessed are you, they're saying God's favor is on you. God is with you, okay? He's with you. But not only is he with you, he is 
for you. That's two different things, right? You can be with someone who's rooting against you. But to be blessed means God is not only with you, present in you, um, but he is rooting for you. His favor is on your life. And so this way of thinking and teaching uh, became somewhat normal, okay? And this was in other Jewish scriptures outside of the Bible as we know it. Um, If anyone's ever heard of the Dead Sea Scrolls, um, I'm not gonna nerd out here, um, but just know a, a group of people within Judaism. They, they create their own little sect of people um, who are extra holy, really doing it right, and they pretty exclusive. And in their wisdom literature, they say, uh, here's a direct quote, um, blessed is the one with a pure heart. Blessed are those who adhere to commands of the Torah. First five books of the Bible. Blessed are those who search for wisdom with pure hands and not a treacherous heart. Now, if I just read those to you and say, hey, what book in the Old Testament is that in? I bet you guess a book in the Old Testament instead of going, I bet that's not in the Bible, right? It sounds somewhat like scripture. It sounds wise. The only issue with this is it's the Dead Sea Scrolls are an exclusive group of people, so you don't feel like you really get an easy inroad to being blessed in that light. Another example, this is where a teacher, his name was actually Jesus Ben Sira, so... Jesus, which just think about the rivalry there. Um, I'm kidding. I don't think there was one. But um, this guy whose actual name was Jesus Ben Sira, one of the most famous poems that this famous teacher has says, blessed is the man who can rejoice in his children. Blessed is the one who doesn't sin with his tongue. Familiar stuff still. Blessed are you. But check this out. Blessed is the one who is important. So when they speak, people want to listen to them. In other words, God is with you and for you, and you know that because everyone pays attention to you. Everyone listens to what you're saying. They care about what you have to say. Does anyone feel a little puzzled with that way of thinking? Does that in any way start to disagree with what maybe Jesus, humble servant, low in status, would ever say out loud, right? And yet this is a popular way of teaching. Blessed is the one who doesn't serve an inferior this is like 100 years before Jesus came, this was said, this was taught. And so the Jews lived under Roman rule, a culture, a social hierarchy, a class system. It's a culture of honor and shame. And you know God is with you if you never have to um, serve someone who is beneath you, beneath your class. You are blessed if you never have to serve someone who culture says is lower than you. So this is really interesting. God's favor is with you if you never have to serve below yourself. God's favor is with you if culture deems you important. That's how you know God is for you, right? Blessed is a man who sees the downfall of his foes. God is with you if you're winning. If whoever rose against you lost and they lost hard, you know you've got God's favor. And so listeners are coming to Jesus This is the ideology. This is the way of thinking in their brains. Like try to go there. Like that's what they know to be true as Jesus starts teaching. When he starts saying blessing, they are hoping Jesus is about to give them a how-to program. Here's how you know you're blessed. And all you guys who you know you're not blessed because no one has ever heard you, um, never wanted to hear what you say, and you can't go lower than you. um, So no one's serving you. No one cares about you. So let me help you be important. In my opinion, that is what they're coming with. Like when Jesus starts saying blessed, they're going, he's talking about people that aren't us, but hopefully, finally, he's gonna help us be those people 
that are blessed, that do have God's favor. People do listen to us. We do win. We do come out on top. You see this in the disciples' journey where Peter's like, Jesus, no way you're dying. We got to dominate Rome. We got to make them answer to us. We're done being on the bottom. That's their understanding. You don't have God's favor if you're on the bottom. That doesn't work, right? Okay. I think I've made this point. I don't know if I'm going to sit or stand. I'm torn. So, They are listening. The people Jesus is talking to, they are listening as non-blessed people hoping to become blessed. Now back to Jesus. What does he say? He's about to begin deconstructing their entire understanding of what it means to be blessed in the kingdom of God. There can be a healthy deconstruction. This is an example, all right? (laughs) No one? I thought, Um, all right. So Jesus only affirms their current position. He uses the word blessed for the here and now. You are blessed, the poor, the downtrodden, the overlooked, the underneath, the hungry, the persecuted. He goes, you're blessed and you're blessed right now. The kingdom of God is for you right now. The rest of the world, the rest of society sees you as one thing but you are in fact blessed now. There is no like corporate ladder. There is no thing you have to accomplish. Like it's already here. You are seen, you matter, you're important and God is for you and he's up for grabs if you want it. If you want in, the kingdom of God is here now. And it's not just that this invitation exists. It's like one of the first times we get this invitation in general. This is one of Jesus's first teachings and right off the bat, he's confronting a worldview. He's confronting a narrative about status, about haves versus have-nots, about more is more or less is more. And he's having a conversation about it. It's really, really important. Now, a disclaimer before I get to three takeaways that I get from this passage. This is not an instructional teaching. He's not saying, um, if you're not poor, seek to be poor. Or if you're not suffering, seek to be suffering. He's not doing that. Um, He's not saying words that people who are comfortable with their status have to feel super guilty and wrestle with how to be uh, in a crappy situation. That's not what he's doing here. I think that would actually be kind of a self-obsessed way to look at that passage, a little bit of a selfish way, low key. He's speaking about people who are already in that situation. They did nothing to get there. Or maybe they did something to put themselves in a hard situation. But he's going, if you just exist and this is you, you just are poor, you're hungry, you're suffering, you are blessed. So the people in this situation that don't wanna be there receive this word. Now this is really awesome news and I wanna point out three key takeaways that I take from this passage and then I'm gonna dismiss us to keep discussing and figuring this out together, okay? So first thing, this is why this is great news, this is a takeaway. This is great news for the outsider, that's kinda obvious. The people present are very quickly going from outsiders to the very first people to hear this news. And here's the truth. As much as culture tries, we always overlook people. Like, as much as we try to be pro-everyone, everyone matters, everyone's important, everyone's awesome, we always manage to somehow create systems in our own personal lives. I'm not even talking government our own personal lives that keep a safe distance from the suffering long-term. We'll do our 10-day mission trip, but like at the end of the day, if you like things like comfort, if you like things like money, 
If you like things like community, friends, everything being fun and happy, like you can't help it. You will slowly get distance from those that don't identify with those things. The poor, the sick, the suffering, no matter how much you want to care. I'm, I'm talking big picture. Maybe some of you are amazing at loving the outsider. So I'm not like doing that. But just in general, every culture ever has been relatively good at forgetting the broken, at forgetting the sick, at forgetting the hurting. You know why? It's a bummer. Long-term, it's just like, it just doesn't feel good. It's just ugh. like, if you're in the privileged position to not have to suffer, cool. Like why, let, okay, let's go for a little bit and let's come back and let's do us. And like, you wanna go golf on Friday? <laughs> let's just do that, you know? Like, it's just easy. And Jesus is totally flipping it. He's going, no, 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 no. Not, not only like, do I see you? Not only as thousands of you are here, am I making eye contact with you? I'm saying you're not just here and, and you're loved, you're favored. God has something like so rich and good for your life. He loves you, you matter, you're in. And I just, I, in our world today, this is, kind of trendy. Like, you're loved, you're loved, you're loved. But at this time, this was not a thing that a rabbi says. They are not ready for a rabbi to speak blessing. Matthew 7, which covers a very similar teaching, it may be the same teaching, it may not be, says the crowd, they would leave a conversation like this and they would be amazed or astounded or encouraged, or confused, or frustrated, or challenged. Like, it can mean all of those things at once. They felt so much. So as Jesus preached, people weren't like, yeah, amazing. Some people were like, are you kidding me? This is my situation? This is amazing. Other people are like, that cannot possibly be true. Let's go back to the other Jesus. Jesus been Sarah. Let's study more of his teachings from back in the day. I feel like he had it. We're right. But there was this perplexing nature to it, but it's impossible to miss. The major takeaway, one major takeaway here. This was a liberating word for those that were at the lowest in society. First of all, first and foremost, he goes, these are the people that matter. They're the people that are important. These are the people I see. These are the people I want in the kingdom of God. So that's one takeaway. Number two, Jesus is making a key observation and a key warning. If you look at the verses that follow what he just said, the blessed are used, he has some woe to use, which is like hey, a warning to people. And Jesus is gonna make a really important observation. Sorry, my mouth. It's like a cactus. <laughs> that cactus mouth. Um, <laughs> number two, all right. A key observation that Jesus makes. I think this is really important. So Jesus being one of those people that can do a lot of things at once. I think this is absolutely an element to what Jesus is doing here, okay? In summary, he is giving sort of a less is more take on just life. Like it, I, I, that kind of breaks down, but he kind of preaches a less, and, less is more teaching here. Like there is, there is less in the way of you and God when you don't have a lot thinking, that the, if you don't have a lot that you think can satisfy your life, right? He is speaking about a real, like, a real observation that I, that I wonder if we've experienced. Like, have you ever noticed that when you are full, when you have a lot, or when you have goals to get a lot, have you ever noticed your contentment starting to slowly, sneakily fade away? 
Can anybody else, and I don't think this is like one of those things that applies to like everyone, but can anyone else look back at a time where they had less? They were like just scrounging for pennies. Is scrounging a word? They were just scrounging for pennies. Like, does anyone remember when you had less and yet somehow life was sweeter? Whoa. Can anyone else look back to when they were working at Laser Chase and fundraising like $6,000 a year so they could intern at Ethos? They were single, crying because they weren't married yet, but yet their walk with God was like turnt up. Turnt? No. <laughs> their walk with, never, <laughs> don't do that. Uh, their walk with God was turned up. Like I meant to say turned and I accidentally said turnt. But I look back on my life and I look back at times where I go, oh, I hadn't gotten anywhere near where I wanted to be. I still had goals and aspirations, and yet, the way I prayed, whoa. Some of what that desperation yielded, wow. My lack led me quickly to go, God, I don't feel like I have enough. And even in that false narrative of I don't have enough, because I think God was trying to teach me, yes, you do, you have me, right? He was so good to me. He was teaching my heart things in that prayer life of God, and I don't have what I need. Like, ah, but it drove me to him. Even if it drove me to him frustrated, it drove me to him. Even if it drove me to him brokenhearted, it drove me to him, right? Leah gets in her accident, almost takes her life. It drove me to bawl my eyes out in front of the Lord. It's really important we don't forget my preface. Jesus is not saying, hey, go make yourself suffer like really hard until you like love God a lot. That's not what Jesus is doing. But he, I do think he's making a key observation. There is less in the way for the less fortunate to understand the only thing that can satisfy the soul is God himself. The people who are rich, the people who laugh, the people who are full, they have so much in their way. Jesus talks about money a lot, if you don't know this. Like, he's like, be careful. You can't do the God and money thing. It don't work. You can't serve them both. You can have them both, you can't serve them both. Watch out, okay? And when I really, I don't think I'm taking this passage too far. And if I am, I apologize. But when I thought about being full, not hungry, laughing, not crying, um, having, a, oh, I wanna read this verse to you, this is wild. Um, hold on. This is verse uh, 26. Woe to you when all people speak well of you, for so their fathers did to the false prophets. So when I think about people who, have a lot of money, who are full all the time, who don't know how to be hungry, who are laughing all the time, never sad, um, who, who have people that speak highly of them. They have a really good reputation. You know what I have? I have the American dream. <laughs> like never wondering where the next meal is coming from, ever, ever. In fact, you got more. You got a surplus. Like you're struggling with how much you're eating. Always being entertained, laughing, never crying. I mean, what is life right now if it's not to be entertained? What is every piece of technology we have if not to entertain us? Like, let me make you happy. Let me make you entertained. I would hate for you to be bored and have to sit quietly and reflect on your actual life. Like, let's just entertain you. Let's make you laugh. And when I started thinking about these woe to yous, I was like, whoa, this is a warning to us. We are swimming in waters that breed discontentment, wondering why we're discontent. Like just straight up, we swim in the waters. We are not choosing between the two. We are living, I believe, and I'm not, 
I promise you I'm not throwing like crazy shade at current culture. Have half crazy shade. <laughs> but we, we live in this, this culture that doesn't go like, hey, you can be happy if you want. It goes, here's like all the stuff you need at all times. And if you just get this much more money or this app or this veggie chopper, like whatever the thing is, like you're almost there, you're almost there, you're almost there, you're almost there. You're all, seriously, seriously, just a little, oh, you got the promotion. Okay, two more, two. And the whole time you're like almost there. Me and my wife are trying to buy a house right now. We've been almost there for four months. I hate almost there. It stresses me out. And Jesus is like, 100%, 100%. If the goal of your life is to always be happy, is to always be laughing, is to have money, is to never need, is to be seen as wonderful in the eyes of people, shout out social media, everyone just know that I'm good. Oh, just know I didn't vote that way. Please, 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 Instagram, just know I would never, just know I would always march here. I would support, like, I look good, it's me. Look, I'm doing good. Did I get it? Does everyone think I'm it? Do I got the if factor? Am I cool? You guys like me? Jesus goes, if that's the life you want to live, that's your reward. You'll never get there. Like, you just won't. And maybe you will. Maybe you'll feel full all your life, but that's your reward. You totally missed out that your soul was empty. Like, you missed it. Because you kept having so much to laugh at and pursue and chase, you missed the God that satisfies the soul. And so in that way, blessed are the poor. Blessed are the morning. <laughs> they are blessed because if they see that they need me, that is the truest reality for all of humanity, that every human needs a relationship with God. And so I do, I, again, I may, admittedly, I may have taken this a little too far and stretched it to our context a little too hard. And if I did, I do apologize. I do think, be warned, you swim in a culture, especially in Nashville, like, entrepreneurial heart. It's a heartbeat. I said bye to two different people last week because they got new jobs and they're moving out. Just like, okay, I'll go cry in my car. See ya. Like, love you. <laughs> you know, like from our church. Love you, Daniel, if you're listening. Um, Daniel and Jenny Wilson. Anyway, um, love them. But, but I, 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 we live in such a, an atmosphere that just gets you in a hurry. And you're striving. And, and if I ask you what you're striving towards, you're like, I, honestly, I don't even know. But I know I'm in a hurry. And I know I got goals and I know, I gotta, I know I'm behind somehow. And then Jesus shows up and is like, no, mm -mm, you're blessed right here, right now. If you want it, you are blessed as is. No striving necessary, no bucket list, no corporate ladder. Like that's not who I'm talking to. I'm talking to people that have no shot. You are blessed right here, right now. Because you easier, you more easily receive the kingdom of God. Really interesting. I mean, that's, that's really interesting, guys, because I know we're in church, and so we agree money isn't everything, but like, come on, <laughs> you know, like, get real. <laughs> I'm trying to get more money, like for sure, for sure, if that's the option. More money or less money, I want more money, right? Anybody else? Like, like don't want to laugh or cry. I want to laugh. Like, of course, like Steve Carell, come to my rescue. Leslie Nope, shout out. Like, make me laugh. Let's get it. You know what I mean? It's like, if you want to be happy or sad, I'd love to be happy. Like, I'd super prefer, like, wife healthy and we're good. Great. Of course, but Jesus is going, hey, hold on. If that's where you're investing, the stock of your soul, you might miss it. Woe to you. If you think life's all about you and everything being perfect, everything up and to the right, hold on. You might be forgetting the gospel story itself, right? What part of the gospel told us? Like what part of the New Testament? 
What part of the Old Testament ever told us that like, if you walk with God, oh, life, you just double chef's kiss. Like you're gonna love life. Everything's perfect. You won't believe the promotions. You won't, be, you won't believe the freaking, com- God, I gotta stop saying freaking, help me do that. You won't believe the community I give you. You won't believe how happy you're gonna be. Oh, you think you make a lot now. You won't even, where did that come from? Like, he's like, hey, slow down. That's culture. That's the world I'm walking into. That's not me. And so for those that could never climb that ladder, that could never do the, 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 the hamster wheel of like climbing up in corporate, where I don't even know the words for people that do professional jobs. I'm just a pastor. But, but, for, but for those that know that they could never get there even if they wanted to, good news, you never needed to get there at all. You're blessed. God is for you. So that's the second takeaway that, as you can't tell, I'm really a big fan of. Um, number three, the third takeaway I have, and this is the final one, is Jesus is talking about the reality now and the reality for forever. And that is a huge piece, in my opinion. Eternity is on the heart of Jesus as he's talking about this. So first, he's talking about now. So there's something special and available to the hurt, to the broken, to the outsider, right here, right now. God has something in store for them. So I don't wanna skip that. We need to know that. This is a blessing for his listeners at that moment. But I do think there is an extra bit, a little bit of weight um, on the, if your lot doesn't change in life, if you stay poor, if you stay on the outside, if no one ever humanizes you, if they never make you um, feel welcomed, if you always feel down on your luck, um, your lot may not change on earth, it will forever change in heaven. And I felt scared to talk about forever, um, nervous, because I, I think I'm probably just wrestling with my own doubt in this. Um, but I, I don't wanna skip it just because I'm scared. So let's be scared together if you're scared too. But Jesus is speaking about this reality. The kingdom of God is the truest thing about our existence. It's the most permanent and real thing. And Jesus is saying much more permanent than your present suffering is your eternal reality with the Father where you will bask in perfection and holiness and peace and joy, and you will be made whole for all of eternity. And it will be laughable how short your time was on earth. You will laugh. (laughs) You will look back and be like, I can't even remember what that felt. I look pretty sad though. I don't even know, what was that about? They died. Oh, well that makes sense. Well, now they're right here. (laughs) You died right there. You know, it's just like, I went too far with that analogy, but like, but I do wanna give you a heavenly perspective. Jesus is like, look, like no matter what happens on earth, it will be redeemed. Put your, put your stock in heaven. <laughs> like you are taken care of. And again, he's not saying, oh, forget the broken. They're eternity. This is like a totally different lesson for the disciples of Jesus who are in the kingdom and how we treat. I'm not even talking about how we treat, but he is saying like, if this is you, like your soul is taken care of the most important thing and the most permanent thing about you is taken care of. You belong to God forever. And I just, I wanna preach this to us. What we're doing right now, all of us humans, like just breathing in, breathing out, just sitting beside each other, listening to me ramble, like this is temporary. This is the least permanent thing about your existence. Jesus promises anyone that goes through him gets to the Father and lives with God forever. I don't have one clue how that works. I have spent many nights sweating and crying, trying to figure out 
how the heck eternity works. It creeps me out. I don't like it, honestly, a lot at times. I do trust Jesus. I trust that he'll chill out my anxiety in heaven. Our eyes, our whole life should be governed by the reality of heaven. The most permanent thing about us, how silly would it be if every choice we made was supporting the most temporary thing about us? That's super, that'd be super weird, right? And super sad. And I think Jesus is trying to remind us of the reality of eternity. And he's not just reminding us as a teacher. Think about Jesus's life. Think about what he did. He was a homeless, nomadic servant. He was a rabbi who traveled by foot everywhere. He lived a poor man's life. He washed feet. He was a servant. He died on a cross. Guys, there's nothing American dream in any, it is repulsive. It is disgusting to the American dream what Jesus did while he was on earth. What did Jesus know? Like, what did he know? He knew that as much as culture tries, they're gonna forget every single one of these people, every time, they'll forget them. And they'll pretend like they're gonna take care of it. They're gonna forget them. Like, no, they're always gonna find ways. Not me. You'll always find me here. Where you can find them, you can find me. Whether I'm teaching, whether I'm eating dinner, I'm gonna be here. Why? I'm investing in heaven. Like, they all get it. (laughs) Like, they get it. The disciples, think about their lives. They believed this so much, they preached the gospel and they were murdered. That is what, I'm not calling a slight martyrdom. That is really intense and really a high calling. We live in a free country so far, and so I'm not saying that. But I do want us to take note of the steps the disciples took because they knew what their more permanent reality was, life with God. And so in this, I don't know that we can fully receive the beauty of this and the freedom of this passage if we don't believe in forever with God. If we don't believe that after this life, there actually is a life to come. And God really will reward those who belong to him, who love him, who revered him, who let his heart become their heart. And I don't really have a clean way to polish that up, but I do want you to know Jesus has eternity on his heart when he's teaching these instructions. And this will be a lot harder to obey if everything's about life on earth. Because if everything is about life on earth, guys, I mean, it is way easier to be like, hey, sorry about your luck, but we only got one shot at this and I'm just gonna be happy and like travel if that's okay, you know? But if God is real and he's for the broken, he's for the marginalized, he's for the outsider, and heaven is real and that's the reality, it leads me to these questions. So that's, the, okay, hold on, let me recap and then I'm gonna get to the questions that are supposed to be like powerful and like moving for your heart. Um, okay, so the, the, the three things. One, the observations just to remind us. One, um, it's great news for the outsider. Two, I think Jesus is making a key observation about some of the cultural narratives of status that we need to pay attention to and we need to take warning of that he gives, that woe to you. And then uh, number three, this is definitely a, bye baby, I love you, have a good shift at work. All right, Um, she gotta go work. Uh, She hated that, we'll hear about that later. Uh, For sure, for sure, for sure, for sure, for sure, for sure. Uh, (laughs) Number three, now and later, this has eternal ramifications on it. It has ramifications for now, but also for later. It's absolutely for now, but also for later. And so with that, Questions that are coming to my mind that I don't want to do the hard work of answering yet. I want to leave it to our discussions over communion. I wonder what this did to the disciples when they heard Jesus teach this way. In a culture of status, I wonder how it changed how they walked into rooms. Like when they posted on Instagram, hoping so-and-so watched, did it change who they hoped saw their post? You know, like did it change how they walked into a room? Did it change who they wanted to impress? Did it change who they wanted to get dinner with? Did it change who they wanted their best friend to be? 
Like what happened to the disciples when they learned blessed are the poor? As they watched him combat the Pharisees, the religious elite, those were the people to impress. And Jesus is over here like, no, no, these people. And I just like thought like, like just real literally, did, it did, did Peter go out and make a different friend? Like did, he, did it change his view? I wonder if one of the disciples had this narrative that those who were lesser, they weren't lesser, but they kind of were lesser. Like, you know, they're not, but they are, you get it. Like, you know, they're not lesser, but like clearly, you know? And did like, did God convict someone and go, no, like they're in, like deep down here, they are you, children of God. And I wonder for us, like thinking about this context, this teaching, these three points, how does this impact our life? Like, what do we do with this? And so I really wanna invite us to just meditate. And honestly, we have all these podcasts and YouTube teachings and all this stuff. You guys can get sermons anywhere you want them. I really want you guys to process this. This stuff takes off to the next level if you'll just discuss, hey, what questions do you have? What's stirring in your mind? What was God encouraging you with, convicting you about as we talk through all these things? And how do you think? In what world? How do we obey this? How do we begin to live as this is true? And that's what communion is all about. And the reason we eat the, the, the bread and the juice is it reminds us, oh, but we don't leave this place going, okay, we gotta go figure it out. We leave this place going, Jesus, you died and figured it all out so I don't have to. I can just trust you. And will you just lead me this week? Will you help Luke 6 become a part of my life? Because I definitely can't do it on my own and you'd never ask me to. And so this week, I have a weekly practice every single week. Um, and, and for this week, I was just gonna ask you to every day, just pray, Jesus, will you help me to see people like you see them? And will you help me to notice in real time where you're transforming my heart? Like, I don't want it to be like this magical, whimsical, all of a sudden I see people well. It's like, no, God, will you show me whenever I'm being condescending? Will you show me when I'm being exclusive? Will you show me where I'm, I'm like, I'm wanting to, to chase the cultural narratives that I live in? And will you just show me when I do that and then lead me to transformation? Correct me whatever way you want. So I'm gonna pray. I, I don't know how to conclude this teaching. I wanna keep talking. Um, so I'm sorry that I'm rambling, but let's pray and let's go to communion. And why don't y'all do the talking? Y'all preach to each other just a little bit and just talk about what stuck out to you today. What do you think the disciples thought about? What stuck out to you about your own life? Let me pray. God, thank you. Thanks for communion. Love you. Will you help conversation to be awesome today? Help ideas right now to begin percolating. Help us to go from Listeners to people having conversations uh, right now in Jesus' name, amen.